following is a podcast from Sozo, a student ministry at Victory Family Church. We meet every Wednesday from 6.30 to 8.30. For more info, check us out on Instagram at SozoYTH. Are you guys ready to give me some energy today? Woo! I'm excited. So if you're new here, I just want to welcome you, and I want you to know that you are already family, and we love you, and we're so glad that you decided to join us today. And so if you haven't met me, please come and introduce yourself after service. I would love to meet you. So like they said, next week is at the movies. We're going to be watching Jumanji. Who's seen that already? Okay, if you haven't seen it, it's like so funny. Like you're going to laugh so hard. I can't wait. It's my favorite one that we're doing. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to pray. Oh, wait, real quick. At the movies is a great time to bring somebody who's never been to church. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to have a movie. So it'll be a great way to introduce somebody to Jesus. So make sure that you bring somebody next week. That is your assignment. All right, guys, let's go ahead and pray. And God's going to do something great today. Father God, we just thank you so much that we get this opportunity to spend time in your presence. Lord, we just ask that whatever comes out of my mouth is your words and not my own. And I just ask that everybody receives and hears what you need them to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to be talking about anxiety. But before I go into that topic, I just want to preface it with, I know that anxiety has a lot of causes, a lot of roots It could be caused by your diet. It could be trauma-based. It could be a chemical imbalance. It could be situational. And I understand and I recognize that those are all reasons for anxiety. And so if that's something that you seriously struggle with, that every day you struggle with anxiety, I want to give you permission that it's okay to go to the doctor. It's okay to see a counselor. God has put people in those places for a reason on purpose to help you out. So it doesn't mean that you, yep. So it doesn't mean you're weak or that something's wrong with you or that you don't have enough faith or you're not a good enough Christian. That's all a lie. I want to give you permission that it's okay to take that step and do that because that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be healed. But today I'm going to be talking about it from a spiritual approach. And even though I know that doctors and counselors are all good and God uses them for healing and growth, I also fully believe that in the presence of God, that you today can walk out of here free from anxiety, that you can step out of here better than when you came in, and that depression, anxiety, anything you came in with will be gone in Jesus' name. So I encourage you to have that expectation because God is going to show up today, and he's going to knock your socks off. My title of my message is, God, why are you so quiet? And so... You'll figure out why I titled it that at the end of the message, but I just wanted to throw that out there for all you note takers. So go ahead and turn to Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Now the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. And when he wrote the book of Philippians, he himself was in a prison in Rome. He had intended to go there to preach the gospel, but instead he ended up in chains. And so he was tied to chains 24-7, and he had a guard around him all day long. And so you could say that somebody in that situation, it's a pretty good reason for them to be anxious, right? Like it would make sense if he was anxious because he didn't know when he was going to get out. He didn't know if he was even going to live past this moment. He had no clue what was going to happen. So I would say that that's a really good reason to be anxious. But instead, he wrote these words. 
He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So he's saying no matter what, be thankful. Praise God. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Say those words. Say the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. So there's nothing we should be anxious about, he says. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So instead of being anxious, go to God. Enter into his presence. Because that's when the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when Ben and I were first married, we lived in a, in a small apartment. And there was this one time that we were getting ready for church. And I was in the bathroom doing my hair. And Ben was in the bedroom picking out his outfit or something. And it's quiet. Like we weren't listening to music or a message. We didn't have the TV on. It was just absolute silence. And I'm doing my thing when all of a sudden I hear, <coughs> and I thought, why is there another woman in my house? And so I go to investigate the source of the womanly scream, only to find that it came from, yes, my husband. And so I enter into the room <laughs> to find him against the wall, pointing across the room to none other than this nasty centipede that was quickly crawling up a wall. And it was really big, actually. And so I'm in the room. I see what's happening. And I know that centipedes are quick. And I know that if I don't move quick enough, that this thing will disappear into my room forever. And so I look around and I think, what, what's near me? And I look and I see a Kleenex box. Great. I grab it and I charge across the room and I smash it up against the wall. Woo! Victory over the centipede. And so I learned two things that day. I learned, first off, that I would always be the bug killer in the home, which has been pretty true up till this point, except for the nasty spider. You did kill that. And the second thing I learned is I'm really freaked out by centipedes. And so for a few nights, I was laying in my bed thinking about that nasty centipede. And my mind was going and I was thinking, what if it had family? What if it had friends? What if they're also in this room? What if they crawl on me in the middle of the night? What if it goes in my mouth? And so my mind was racing, thinking about a centipede touching me at night. And so I would lay in bed, not wanting to move, because what if it was under the covers with me? And so even though that's a really silly story about anxiety, I'm sure that there's some of us in here who have very real reasons to be anxious. You're going through some stuff. But Paul said to be anxious for nothing. And so I have to ask myself, is that even possible to be anxious for nothing? In a world where there are mass shootings every other day, in a world with trauma, with cancer, is it even possible to not have anxiety? And so I think this message is so great, especially for your generation, because I was reading about Gen Z, and that's you guys. And you guys are actually, you have so many great qualities, but the thing that you struggle with is you're actually the most anxious generation in recent history. You constantly worry about everything. You take it all on. What do I do? Like, should I take this class or that class? What if I don't get into my college? Do I need to take all of these AP classes? Like, what if I go to the wrong college? What if I take the wrong class? What if I go into the wrong major? What if I marry a psycho? What do I do? Like, you just constantly think. I don't know if anybody thinks about that. But... But the thing with anxiety is it stops you. It puts you in a box and it hinders you from what you should be doing because you base everything 
off of fear. And so I want to show you an Old Testament prophet that might be like you. He really loved God. He had seen God's faithfulness over and over again. But yet he struggled with anxiety. And so his name is Elijah. And so in the Bible, he comes into the scene. He just had fire come down from heaven, killing 850 false prophets. And then he finds out that the king, King Ahab, who is super evil, has it out for him. And so he's on the run. And he's running and he's running. And he's afraid because they're out to kill him. They want to destroy him. And so he hides out. And so Elijah, this man, this mighty man of God, receives this horrible news. And it sends him spiraling into depression and anxiety. And so I want to share with you his story. Because there's four mistakes that he made. And so we're going to go to 1 Kings 19.3. Scripture says this. Elijah was afraid. And so he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. So he was suicidal. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And you might be there right now. You might be thinking, I can't take this anymore. This is too much pressure. I have too much work. I have too many things going on. I can't handle the bullying at school. I can't handle all of the drama. I can't handle my family anymore. I just can't take it. And so Elijah was in that place. He was in a hard situation. And he cried out to God saying, I just can't take it. And so the first thing that we see Elijah do, the first mistake that he made is he ran himself into the ground. And so literally, Elijah ran to, to Beersheba, said that right, and that was 100 miles from where he was. He literally ran so far that he couldn't run anymore. If he would have ran anymore, he would have ran into the sea. And so there's two things that I see that exhausted Elijah. And so the first thing was that he was running away from his fear. Instead of confronting it, instead of dealing with it with God, he ran from it. He let it dictate his life. He let his fears determine what path he chose. And the second thing that he did is he wore himself out because he chose to take on the problem alone. He didn't have any friends around him. He didn't turn to God, but he ran, try, he ran away from his fears thinking that this was his only option, and he chose the option that exhausted him. And so many times, we try to do things all by ourselves. We think, nobody's going to help me. God's not even going to help me. I have to do this by myself. I have to get out of here. I can't deal with this anymore. And so we become exhausted. And so there's this one, this other time when Ben and I were first married. A lot of things were exposed when we were first married. Um, so we were sound asleep, and I had my back towards Ben. And it was like 2 a.m. Like we were out cold. And all of a sudden, on my back fat, girls, you know especially where this is because we think about it a lot. I feel this clench, this pinch into my back fat. And I sit up straight and I think, what just happened to me? Because, again, it's 2 a.m. I'm not really sure what's happening. I'm pretty much out of it. And so I sit up thinking, somebody just bit me. Like, what happened? And so I look around the room, it's pitch dark, and I look over, and there's Ben sitting straight up, 
doesn't say a word. He just lays back down and goes to sleep. And I thought, I married a creeper. Like, what is this? Like, who bites people in their sleep? And so the next morning, I asked him, I said, why did you bite me? And he was like, I didn't bite you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. It's still red. It hurt really, really bad. And so I found out from being married to Ben that when he's super tired, he does weird things in his sleep like bite me, which he has not done since, thankfully, but he does talk in his sleep sometimes. But when we're exhausted, we don't do things the way that we normally do. We don't function as well as we normally do. And so I'm sure there's some of you in here, you're in that season of being exhausted. So the second big mistake that Elijah made is he shut people out. You'll see it says that he got rid of his servant. And so there's two different ways that I think we can shut people out. The first way is that we literally isolate ourselves. We'll stay in our room. We don't want to talk to anybody. And when we are around people, we're standoffish so that they don't come up and talk to us. And so we keep ourselves isolated because we're afraid of people. But in reality, what we're doing is we're making ourselves pray for the enemy. Because when you're isolated, that's when he attacks you the most. That's when he plants lies in your mind telling you, nobody really liked you anyways. You're too good for them. You don't need them. And so he plants all these lies in your mind so that makes you want to stay away from people even further. And then the second way that we shut people out is, yes, maybe you're around people all the time, but you never let them see the real you. You never let them know what you're really struggling with. You never let them know that you do struggle with anxiety, that you deal with depression, that you cry yourself to sleep every night. They don't know because you don't let them see, and so you keep everybody at this safe distance for you, and you keep them out. All the while, you struggle. You hold on to that pain all by yourself, and everybody else is out here waiting for you to help them, but you just keep it locked up on the inside. And so we need people. We need each other. And so sometimes we need to tell people what we're going through. So at the end of the service, there will be prayer partners on the walls, on the sides. That if you need to talk to somebody, there's so much power when you bring things into the light. It restores you. It frees you. They will be there to help you process that. And the third mistake that Elijah made is he focused on the negative. He said, I've had enough. I'm no better than my fathers. I'm no better than my ancestors. And sometimes we think, this is typical. This always happens to me. Nobody will ever like me. I never have good luck. I'm always left out. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be pretty enough. And so we put ourselves in this category and we just focus on the negative. All the while we're missing all of the blessings that are going on around us. And the fourth mistake that he made, and the worship team can come up, and this is the biggest mistake, is he forgot God. He was facing the biggest problem of his life, yet he was doing it without the God who had gotten him through every situation before, without the God who had brought him bread and meat from heaven, without the God who had helped him raise people from dead, without the God who had rained down fire from heaven right in front of him. He did it without God. Even though God had provided for him, was faithful to him during every other season of his life. And so we look at Elijah and we're like, how can a man so strong in his faith question God? But I want to ask you that same question. What has happened in your life 
that God has proven himself faithful that you're overlooking in your season of struggle? What has God provided for you? How has God been there, protected you, that you're forgetting in this moment, in that downtime? Because let me tell you that even though sometimes we don't know all the ways that God has been there, he's always been present. He's always been faithful. He's always provided. He has always been there. And so Elijah, he faces this huge problem. He eventually falls apart. He stops eating. He stops drinking. And he just goes to sleep. Sounds like depression, right? And God sends an, sends an angel to wake him up, to remind him to eat, to drink. And then he goes back to sleep again, and God's like, okay, fine. So he sends another angel. And so though, even though Elijah wasn't walking in faith, God was still faithful. God still met him where he was at. And so even though sometimes we're in a dark place, and we feel like, God would never come down to that pit. Let me tell you, he always will. He will always meet you where you're at. And so if we read in the scriptures, if we go on, after God woke him up twice through an angel, God says this to him. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks below. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. So the earth shook, but God wasn't there. The fire roared, but God wasn't in the fire. The wind howled, but God wasn't there either. He was in the quiet. And so many times we expect to hear God in the loud, in the obvious ways. We want him to put it up for us so we can see it everywhere. But instead he talks to us in the quiet. He talks to us in the stillness. And so we can wonder why God does that. And I want to show you, I'm going to ask Ben to come up. If you guys can give it up for Ben. Woo! He's cute. I'll keep him. So, Ben, you're going to be stressed, look anxious. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to, we really need to work on this. <laughs> so, this is anybody who's stressed going through something, and I'm going to represent God right now. And so we look for God in the loud. We look for him in the remarkable. But instead, he's in the ordinary. He's in the whisper can ask ourselves, God, why are you in the whisper? Why are you in the quiet? And the reason why God's in the quiet is because he's right here. He's standing right next to you. He's so close to you. And he whispers because he wants you to hear him. And he wants you to be drawn in. And so he's standing here and he's whispering to you. And he's telling you everything you need to hear. But then on the other hand, our anxiety, our stress, our depression is right here. And it's saying, you'll never be good enough. You don't have what it takes. Nobody likes you. Keep yourself locked up because nobody wants to be around you. But the whole time, God is right here and he's standing right next to you. And he's saying, I love you with an everlasting love. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm here for you until the end of the ages. There is nothing that can separate you from my love. I'm here. Turn to me. I have this. I can take this from you. I love you. 
so the whole time he's whispering because he's right here. He never leaves us. He doesn't go away from us. He's standing so close and he just wants to draw you in. He wants to pull you in to his presence. He wants to keep you close. And so he whispers to you because he wants to draw you in. He wants you to be close to him. He wants you to be closer because he never leaves you. He's always standing close to you. But you have to take that step to choose to draw closer to him in order to hear the whisper. And so you will always have loud voices shouting at you. But there will only ever be one whisper that tells you exactly who you are. That will tell you what he set you free from that will tell you all that he's done for you, all that he sacrificed because he loves you, because you're worth it. There will only ever be one God that stands up for you and that fights for you every step of the way. You're never alone. It can feel like that, but God has never left you. He never will leave you. He's always standing right there. We just have to listen for the whisper. We have to draw in. We have to step close. We can't back away. And so I don't know what it is that you are bringing with you today. No matter if it's anxiety, depression, maybe it's friend problems. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't matter. Because I know that any struggle, any obstacle plus God's presence equals restoration. It equals healing. It equals freedom. Anything that you bring to God, when you walk into his presence, you get freedom, healing, restoration. Anytime you do that, you just come to him in faith and he will deliver. He has so many great things for you guys. And he's here. He wants you to just bring it to him. But it's his presence that we have to step into and listen for the whisper. He'll always be speaking to you. And so when we look back to the verse in Philippians 4, right before he says, don't be anxious about anything, he says, the Lord is near. And I believe he said that because even though he was in a horrible situation, he was hopeful. He had faith because God was near to him because he had stepped into his presence. He wasn't anxious. He was full of joy. He was full of gladness. He was happy because he had entered in to God's presence. And so guys, God is here already today. I can feel him. And so I'm gonna ask you guys to stand up and come up front. We're gonna go back into worship. But guys, you don't have to do anything fancy to be in God's presence. He's here. He's already done a work in your heart. I'm sure that there's people in here, God's already speaking to you. While I was speaking, he was speaking something specific to your heart that you needed to hear. And I want you to know that God sees you. God sees you. He brought you here for on, a pur on purpose. You're not here on accident. If you're here today, it's because he wants to continue to show you how much he loves you. He wants to set you free. He wants to restore things that have been stolen from you. And he wants to heal areas that you thought you would never receive healing. And so I'm going to remind you that there are prayer partners on the sides. Guys, you don't have to walk this struggle alone. We're here for you. We love you. But guys, just go ahead and close your eyes. 
His presence is already here. All you have to do is just tell Him. Just tell Him what's going on. So close your eyes. Lift up your hands. You just tell Him. That's how you get set free. You just tell him that's how you receive healing. You just tell him that's how you receive restoration. This moment is so important. This service isn't over. God is going to do great things in here tonight. Just open your mouth and you just tell him, God, I'm here. I'm struggling. I give this to you. And you just let him deal with it. You let him fight that battle.